0: My name's Eric Newberry, as he said. My wife, Sammy, with me today. Lily's over there getting radicalized in the kids department. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I live in I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Actually, in Franklin, Tennessee, right, right outside. God called us to go to a church there called Conduit Church. I think we're family churches. Yes. Amen. Yes. And uh, God's been moving in a radical way at Conduit Church. We've We've gone from like 500 to like 1,600 people, and every time we make more space, we, we fill it up, and, and we're parking like 200 cars in the grass, and they're having, it's like, a, it's like the Brown County Fair when they leave. <laughs> every time they leave, it's just mud everywhere, our carpets are ruined, and we don't care at all. Amen. It's filled because God's spirit is moving right now. And I, so I have the privilege of serving and leading the missions there. I'm, uh, for many of you, you know, I'm, I'm f- I focus on missions, and uh, so I'm, which I call family visits now. I don't call I don't think anyone's a mission field. I think they're people, yeah. and so we call them family visits. And so I was thinking, uh, you know, coming in here, I always I try not to eat when I'm going to preach. It's a, per, it's a personal thing. I call it fasting, but really it's suffering until lunch. And you know what? Where do you guys go to lunch after service? Skyline. Yeah, we don't have any of those in Nashville, by the way. So, so you go to Skyline, right? You walk into Skyline, and you order your food. You're sitting down. You just, you just worship for like an hour because that was amazing. You just heard a way too long sermon that was a little rough. It's time for a cheese coney. Okay, I'm going. <laughs> it's time for a cheese coney. But the, the person making the cheese conies, they decide today even though the manager put them on the line, they decide today that they're going to clean the bathroom. So Skyline's got a beautiful, clean bathroom, and you're starving to death. Is there any value in that? You haven't even put the stuff into you to even need the bathroom, okay? <laughs> you can't even get food. And, and I say that because of this. If a manager is looking over the kitchen, and he's going, I've got to have employees here, and employees there, and this person does this, and they're all part of this body, right? And they're all doing something that makes it deliver food so that starving people don't starve. One person pulled out of that wheel creates a void. And I, here's what I want to go. Aaron, you just said something. I can't even believe, I can believe it because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, happy birthday, right? Your pastor's birthday yesterday. It's like 34. What are you? I mean, you look great, man. And I'll tell you this about Aaron Kirk and just the Kirk family. I'm the, I'm the president and the CEO and the founder of the Kirk Fan Club. I'm the, only one in the, I'm the only one on the board. We had a meeting last night. It went well. I love you both. I honor you both. What you've done in this community is amazing. And the way that you've stayed steadfast in this community with adversity, with trials, with tribulation. You guys have fought for Brown County. And I honor you for that. The, the Bible says in Proverbs that, that, you know, a brother is born for adversity. Aaron's been a brother to me through adversity. I've been able to be a brother to him through adversity. So I just want to honor your pastor in front of you because you're really blessed to have him. And, and I'm telling you, I'm, I live in Franklin, Tennessee, but I was born in Brown County. I was born and raised here in a single wide trailer on Hess Road. Come on, y'all. I'm in this community, okay? God called me to Franklin, but I'm born here. And so you think I'm going to give up on this county? There's no way. God's moving in this church. So here's what I would say to you. Just call it prophetically. Call it exhortation. I don't care what you call it, but take this county. Go take this county. Amen? Here's what, uh, let's go to First Samuel 15. It's so interesting you said this. Jesus said that I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And he was quoting what? 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two, Does the Lord have as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than a sacrifice, and to pay attention is better than the fat of rams. The voice of the Lord. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God, sons and daughters. But you've got to be led by the Spirit of God, the voice of God telling you where to go, when to go when to do it. I was talking to a young man at Bite in Milford the other day, and he's, he just got saved three years ago, and he's a, he's in a cessationist church, and maybe he's here this morning. you here this morning. Don't raise your hand, because I just called you out, but I told him, I said, how do you balance that, you know, like, how, and then, and then just taught him about the Holy Spirit, and we talked about Sammy, you know, who's a living miracle, who walks around just like a miracle, right? Everywhere we go, he's like, oh, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit? Well, check out Sammy. You don't believe in a miracle? Sammy grabbed a microphone this morning. <laughs> That's a miracle. I, I have never seen her do that in our ministry. In our ministry. she's the one praying for you behind the curtains, powerfully. That's a miracle. And so, so we just we got to witness about the Holy Spirit. And what I'll say is this: if you're not led by the Holy Spirit, you won't survive what's coming. You got to have the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit. You have to have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Here's how Jesus said what, what this means. He said it in Luke 6.46. He said, now why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I don't know about you, but when I see the words of Jesus, I, I, I get a little lower. Because I might fall. I get a little lower because that's my, that's my Savior. That's my Lord. He's not just my Savior. He's my Lord. And because I love him, I, I really want to please him. I really do. Not to check a list. Not to check a box. You know, how many of you have had someone in your life that said they loved you, but you knew they didn't? Let's be real. If you haven't, you're really blessed. We've had these people in our lives. It's just true. I love you. It's face value, right? Jesus, or Judas to Jesus, I love you. Uh, and then goes, sells them out for 30 pieces of silver and can't even keep it because of the guilt. We've got people like this in our lives. It's a part of the sinful fallen nature man roman's one it's all a part of just living in this world how much more would god know if we were just giving him hot breath how much more would he know god I just I, i'm coming to god doesn't need us to check boxes guys god doesn't need us to follow some religion you know what he wants us to do he wants us to be he wants us to be his hands and feet he wants us to be his mouthpiece he wants us to be his vessel of grace and his vessel of mercy. He wants us to go and reach a lost and dying world and do it with his heart. And to do that, we've got to hear his voice. We've got to hear his voice and, and do what he said to do. Here's another thing that Jesus said. John, two more things. John 14, he says this If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he says in, in John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. That's enough motivation for me to follow the word of God, amen? He's going to make his dwelling with me. He's going to pour his spirit out on me. He's going to walk before me and clear the path. He's going to use me. He's going to love on me. He's going to be with me when I wake up and when I go to sleep. That's good enough for me, amen? So, so when, I, when I brought this up the first time, and I, I, this led me down this path of going, oh my gosh, if Jesus said, if you say you love me, but you don't do what I say, then you don't love me. It made me go, I better figure out what he said. What did he say to do? And am I doing it, right? And so I asked a whole group of young adults, like 70 Gen Zers, right? Because we're, we're pouring into Gen Z. Y'all, that's a word for you. Pour into Gen Z. If we lose Gen Z, we lose our nation. And they're hungry for truth, they're hungry for life, they're hungry for authenticity, they're hungry for justice, biblical justice, not social justice, they're hungry for it. And so I'm talking to these, and I go, y'all, what did Jesus say to do? You know what they say? Preach the gospel? Yeah, that's one thing. What else did he say to do? I don't know. I don't know. No shame. That's cool. I couldn't make a list before I started writing them down. But there's over 130 implicit and explicit commands from Jesus' lips. He is gracious, and and he sums them up in just a few verses, like the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, and the Golden Law. You can do this research yourself. I can't go through all of the commands this morning, because this will turn into like a Chinese meeting where we go until tomorrow afternoon. And I don't think my stomach will last. But it led me into this deep dive of going, what, what did Jesus say to do? And I want to go through it chronologically. So I started, first thing I do, look for a book. There is none. Like, how is there not a book telling us exactly what Jesus said when he said it in order? And so I started breaking these downs. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. And this is going to just be patient. We're going to go through the first four things that Jesus said to do. Just the first four. Hopefully, this will plant a seed in your heart to keep... Now, we're putting out videos every week on this topic. But hopefully, it'll plant a seed in your heart to go figure out what Jesus said to do. So that, it, so that you'll know... There's just something about being known by God and knowing, like, I'm doing what he called me to do. It gives you boldness. It gives you courage. And while we're doing this, if you want to turn to Matthew 4 in your Bibles or on your phones, while we're doing this, we are also going to cover 32 chapters of Exodus. So we're going to have a fun morning. And then we're going to do it again right after. Let's turn to Matthew 4, Okay. And up to this point, you guys know the story of Jesus. Up to this point, he doesn't say much. Not much happens. He goes to, you know, his father's house, and he tells his parents when he's lost, like, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? And then, and then he ends up in the wilderness with John the Baptist, okay? He's in the wilderness with John the Baptist, and he comes up to John the Baptist, and he's like, I need you to baptize me. And he's like, no way, I'm not even touching your sandal. And he goes, it's good for us to do the will of God, baptize me. John the Baptist baptized him. What happens next? Holy Spirit, I'm here. Holy Spirit comes. Okay, where's the Holy Spirit take him next? The wilderness of sin. Takes him out in the wilderness, and this is where we start. The temptation of Jesus. So he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights. He became hungry, me right now, and I will not give in to temptation. And the tempter came and said to him, if you're the son of God, command these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. it is written. Remember that. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The very first command Jesus gives says, this is how important the word of God is. Have you noticed in our culture that the one thing they're attacking is the word of God? God. No, that's not for today. No, you've got to rightly divide the Word of God, right? Which means cut out Romans and cut out the rest of it. Just take the verses you like and apply that to your life. Just the ones about blessing. Just the ones about the religion of kindness. Because God is full of what? Grace and truth. Both. You can't be all truth. That's surgery without anesthesia. And you can't be all grace because you're not telling the truth. And then you love people and pat them on the back when they walk off cliffs. No, 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 no. You got to grab that shirt and pull them back. And so we've got to be full of both, just like Jesus. And so it goes on. The devil took him to the holy city. Okay, this is verse five. Said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. What's he say back? For it is written. Satan says this to Jesus, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. He's, he quotes Psalm 91 2. It says this. It says this. Psalm 91 2. This is what Satan is quoting. If the slide doesn't work, then we'll just skip it. But he quotes Psalm 91 2. And it literally says, Throw yourself down. There we go. On their hands they will lift you up so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. Satan quotes the word of God. The first thing Jesus said was, you have to live by the word of God. The second thing that Satan says in response is the word of God. But he takes it out of context. He takes it out of context. Jesus answers him. On the other hand, it is written. Okay? You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, okay? Now, when he said, you shall not live by bread alone, anytime you see it is written, Jesus is quoting something, okay? You gotta go back and figure out what he's talking about. So the first command, you, may, you shall not live by bread alone, but by every word out of the mouth of, the, uh, out of, the mouth of God. He's quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, and here's what it says. And he humbled you and he let you go hungry and fed you with the manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, in order to make you understand that man shall not live on bread alone, but man shall live on everything that comes out of the mouth of the Father. And when he said you shall not put your, the Lord your God to the test, he's quoting Deuteronomy 6.16, which says this, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Imagine that. It says that. As you tested him. At Massa. Okay, so we have two commands from Jesus here. The first two commands. We're going to split these into two twos. The first two commands are two quotes from the book of Deuteronomy, Old Testament, and two chapters in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, which is chapter 16 and 17. How many of you read Exodus cover to cover? You've read the whole book of Exodus, and don't lie to me. And that's good, because I know it's usually about, it's about half the room. Anytime we talk about this, about half the room which is why I want to explain the book of Exodus to you in a very quick oversight. So let's look at the board. We're going to walk through it. So Exodus starts out, it starts out with, let's go back to the chapter 1 slide. Israel's in slavery, right? And we talk about Isaiah 61 this morning. This is Isaiah 61. Israel's in slavery. God creates Moses. He calls him, empowers him to bring Israel out of slavery, right? Lifts him up, gives him a mission. Five through seven, the slavery gets worse. God gets mad, and He promises I'm going to act. Chapters eight. Oh, sorry. Are you missing a slide here? Next comes the plagues. the 10 plagues. So eight through 12 are the 10 plagues. Here we go. Seven through 12. Ten plagues. Let's go back. I'm sorry, I meant forward. <laughs> Chapter 13. God makes a covenant with Israel after he brings them out of slavery, right? Starts giving them their traditions, their laws, their feasts, their festivals. Chapter 14 through 15, Pharaoh changes his mind after 10 plagues, which is amazing to me. That's how stubborn he was. Chases them into the wilderness. They end up at the Red Sea. Israel's like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? God parts the waves. We literally sang about that this morning. Parts the waves. Israel goes through. Egypt comes in. God flushes the toilet. That's the end, okay? There's the book of Exodus. You've just read it. That leads us to, to chapter 16. So if you want to take a look at chapter 16, let's go to Exodus 16. And we're going to read one piece of it. That's it. Here's what it says. The Lord provides manna. That's the header. That's all you need to know. Okay? They were hungry. They were in the in the land of, of will in the wilderness, and God made it rain manna. And they came down, and they ate the manna, and that's what they did. They ate the manna. And then the Lord provided meat, okay, that pushes us to to water. That's that's the context for Deuteronomy uh, 8.6. Sorry, 8.3. That's the context for 8.3. When you go forward, the context for the next passage is found in in seventeen where they were in the land of wilderness. And if you look, verse 6, struck the rock, water comes out. That land was called Massa. Okay, They tested God. He made water come from a rock. This is the context. The, the part, this part of Exodus, not that important for us. I just wanted to show you something here, that Jesus, in his first two commands, uses the Old Testament as the foundation. It's really important that you understand that. And I'm going to tell you why here in a, here in a little in a little while, okay? Because we got, we've got a problem today. We've got very powerful pastors. I don't say names lightly, okay? I'm not a, I'm not a discernment ministry guy. I'm not on YouTube going, Aaron Kirk said this this week. <laughs> Cancel him. I'm not doing that. That's not who I am. But man, when you're wrong, you're wrong, and the church needs to know, because you, y'all might be listening to some of these people, and you don't know. Yeah, right. And you might think, oh, this is fine. It's not fine. Here's why it matters. The Old Testament matters, because without the Old Testament, you're not going to understand what you're saved from. Yes. You're not going to understand what you're saved from. Every, that, that was Jesus' Bible, y'all. Yes. That was literally it. So that's what he's quoting. This is what he's bringing up. And I want to go to this slide about, uh, from Andy Stanley. And here's what Andy Stanley's saying to our culture, by the way. This is our church. And I don't know about, I feel like David. Like, a bear comes into my, my, you know, sheepfold. I'm going to kill that bear with my bare hands, okay? A lion comes in, I'm killing the lion. Goliath comes in, I'm killing Goliath. That's how I feel. I feel angry for the people of God who have not been shepherded well. Here's what he says. Christians must unhitch the Old Testament from their faith, says Andy Stanley. And, of course, you know, he has... Also, you know, kind of validated same-sex marriage. He's validated a bunch of other unbiblical things at this point. And he is one of the biggest churches in America. Now, some of my leaders at my church just came from his church, and people are leaving because people are hungry for the truth. But this is why it matters today. That's why it matters today. I feel the heaviness of God on this. I really do. Jesus, he came to fulfill the law, not abolish it. His intention wasn't to crumble it up and throw away, or unhitch from it. There's a warning in Revelation about taking words out of the Bible. Go find it. We've got to get back to understanding who God is. We really do. I had a really entertaining sermon I was going to preach for you guys initially. This is not that house. You are not those people. This is not that church. This is not my notes. (laughs) God is really really doing something amazing right now in the, in the, culture, in the culture, in the church. Yeah. And we're seeing this group of radicals rise up and they can't be bought and paid for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they can't be pushed aside. And they can't be tempted with a lesser version. Yes. And they can't be filled with the false fruits of another kingdom. <laughs> and I, the reason why I've stayed in touch with, with this church is I believe you're those people. I believe you're those people. There is a remnant in Brown County, and I believe believe it's right here. Let's keep moving forward. Let's go back to Matthew 4. I started using paper Bibles again. I don't know why. I don't have a reason, but it just feels right. Here's what, here's what happens next. The devil takes him up to a very high mountain. He showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to them, said to him, Jesus, all these things I'll give to you if you fall down and worship me. This is the third thing that Jesus commands. He said this, go Satan. I want you all to say that. I want you all to say that. I want y'all to say that when you leave here. And I want you to say it tomorrow morning when something goes wrong. I want you to say it in the middle of the week when it goes wrong. And I want you to say it every time you feel like God is not there. Every time you feel like you're back into a sin that has been taking away your power. Every time that you walk into a place that you know you shouldn't be, I want you to say, Go, Satan. Go, Satan. Jesus responds, Go, Satan. If you resist the devil, he what? He flees from me. He don't want nothing to do with me. He's got nothing to offer me. Because we can't be bought and paid for. Because his kingdom is a fake kingdom. Jesus says, go, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the God, the Lord your God, and serve him only, only, only. And so when I said we're going to go through 32 chapters of Exodus, I was not kidding. Okay? Let's start here, chapter 20. Actually, let's start in verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 18. This'll this will tell you where they're at. Mount Sinai. It was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it on fire. In fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. God tells Moses, go down and tell them, don't even touch the mountain, don't come on this mountain. If they see me, they'll die. That's how holy Father God is. And can I tell you, we pray to Father God differently, right? Jesus is our access to the Father. The Father is so mighty, so holy, You should be on your face if you're talking to your Father. He's so powerful and pure and righteous that if you came into his presence unclean, you'd eviscerate, you'd evaporate, you would disintegrate into the air. He's that powerful and that holy and the blood of Jesus clothes us in righteousness to get us access to his throne. That's our Father. And that's what our Father's doing on Mount Sinai. He brings Moses up and then... Chapter 20 gives him the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. It's interesting that when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, what did he say? Follow the Ten Commandments. And, that, and then, you know, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount redefines the Ten Commandments, makes them ten times harder, okay? Because <laughs> he goes right to our heart. Like, I'm, look, I'm looking at who you are, really. I'm looking at who you are, really. Not who you pretend to be. Not who you fooled everybody else around you. I don't care about that. I've been a good pretender in the past. Have you? We can come to church, pretend like everything's normal, pretend like I can fit right into the movement of the herd. But when I go home, I know I'm not pure. I know that I'm struggling. I know that there's things that are coming against me. I'm losing the battle in my mind. I'm, all these things are, I know that. But I can come here and pretend Man, that's a powerful man of God right there. Powerful. But in reality, my power is throttled. It's throttled. God gives Moses this command. What's the first one? You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me. He gives them the other ten commandments. And if you, just, if you have a Bible, just turn in pages. Keep turning, keep turning. Keep turning to chapter 32. Chapter 32. We're going to go to chapter 31, verse 18. This is when he had finished speaking with Moses. What did he speak to him? He gave him the law. All those chapters you just turned through was law. All of them. Okay, we get to 31, 18. Here's what he says He gave Moses the two tablets of testimony. Tablets of stone written by the finger of God. Moses is holding two tablets that God wrote with his own finger. Can you imagine being able to see those right now at the Museum of the Bible? Or, <laughs> or wherever they would, whoever could buy them. Like It would be somewhere, and we'd be able to see what God's handwriting, like what Nebuchadnezzar saw, like what, what was the handwriting of God. But what happens after that? The people, Moses is having this moment. He's up there. He's receiving from the Lord for His people. i to be careful. I'll get baptized <laughs> and zaptized if I <laughs> if I go in with this thing. But he comes. He comes down. You know, he's been. Think, can you imagine? I don't know anyone. Aaron, you know how long Moses was on top of the mountain, or how long historians think he was up there? Forty days, 40 days right? Okay, so he's up there for forty days with the Lord. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how you would come back 40 days with God himself on the top of a mountain? He had to have been on a mountaintop, right? Maybe that's where that saying comes from. It was on a mountaintop. It was a mountaintop moment. He comes down with the two tablets. He must have been swole because, you know what I'm saying? And he was glowing. And he must have had huge biceps because those tablets had to have been heavy. Because there's a lot of words in those tablets. 11 chapters we just went through, and they use a lot more words than we do, so he comes down with these tablets, and he's, and he's, and he's finally coming into the sight of his people, and what are they doing? They're worshiping a golden cow or an ox. Cow sounds more like, let's say cow, and who made the cow? Aaron. Aaron. Not this Aaron. He would never. (laughs) Aaron made the cow out of their own blessing, their earrings, their own blessing. And he made a cow because they got tired of waiting, and so they gave away their worship. And you know what's worth more than earrings is your worship and who you give it to. Because that tells God exactly what he needs to know about your heart. Then he knows, if you say you love me, but you give your worship away. If you say you love me, but then you give your worship away, you don't really love me, or you don't love me fully. Bring it back to me. I'm the only one worthy. I'm the only one worthy of your worship. So he comes down, and he sees the people worshiping a cow, and he drops the tablet, and they break. I think, I can't prove this, I think he looked down and saw the first line. You shall worship the Lord your God and him alone. And he dropped it when he saw it. Is that true today? People are giving away their worship? You know, in two, about, I don't know, 10 days, I don't even know. My life is such a wreck right now. I'm all, I'm, off, I'm flying around everywhere and I'm always... It's a blur, and it's a beautiful blur. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant all the time. In like 10 days, I'll be in, where will I be? Nepal. (laughs) Nepal. In between India and China, where they literally worship cows. Yeah. It's like four years in jail if you kill a cow. So, no stake there. (laughs) They literally worship cows. But we're not Buddhists, okay? We're not Buddhists. We're sons and daughters of God. We don't have to give away our worship to anyone but God. Worship him and him alone. That's the theme. Can I ask you a question? I'm I'm not playing. I don't preach to build a platform. There's nowhere you can follow me. I I don't even I have like 300 people on my Instagram. I don't ca- I don't care about that at all. I care about the people of God. I care about you. And there's people in this room that just aren't living free. You're just not. There's a golden calf in your life. And I want to ask you, think right now. What's your golden calf? What is it? What is it? And then when it pops in your head, take it out back and shoot it. Because this is Brown County, okay? No problem. No zoning. Shoot a gun in your backyard. America. I'm for it. I went from five acres to one-fifth of an acre, so I can't shoot anything. Barely shoot a camera in the backyard. (laughs) This cow needs to be killed, guys, and here's why. Here's why. Not because your salvation's online. I'm not going there. I'm not even, that's not even the point for me. The point for me is this. God wants to give us access to another position. He wants to give us another position, okay? And we can't access it with, with the clouds. What, the way I see it is, if you take a permanent marker and you color, and you color over a light bulb, or if you took black spray paint, spray paint and, and, and sprayed over the light bulb, screwed it in and turned it on, is that going to be as bright? It's not, because the power is being filtered, through darkness, we are being throttled. We have a governor on us, like an old go kart. We're being throttled, and our power is being limited. You think about the Book of Acts. You think about Ananias and Sapphira them coming into the, the presence of God. The that was so holy and so powerful that Peter's shadow was healing people. We want to see the Holy Spirit move in our age. We have to get rid of these cows. We have to get rid of this sin, this shame that comes with it. Because the sin, God, he already forgave you. It's already done. His grace is not just forgiveness. Here's the grace sandwich part. His grace is not just forgiveness, it's power over. Because Corinthians says this, 1 Corinthians... There's no temptation but what's common to man. And for every temptation, God's provided a way of escape. What's that mean? That means we're powerful. We're powerful. And you think I'll never overcome? Yes, you will. You think that, uh, you know, that bottle's always going to hold you down? No, it won't. No, it won't. I was on the bottle. Haven't touched it in 11 years. No problem. Power of God. Power of God. I was hooked to what, what came up on the screen when you typed certain things into the internet, right? We not want to talk about that. Exposed at eight years old. Not anymore. Power of God, right? And that's killing. We have, listen, this is the word God gave me, and I'm going to finish with this. Because babies are crying. Bless God, there's babies in the house. My friend Darren always says, that's the sound of life. We love it. But listen, we have usurped our authority. We have abdicated our authority as sons and daughters of God. We have. We've given it away to screens and to bottles and to whatever else. We have allowed the devil to run for 70 years without contest. Infiltrating school boards, infiltrating the, the minds of children, planting seeds of socialism and destruction, working through his long plan, expertly, and we are so much smarter than he. We are so much, we're more connected to a power than he. We have unlimited wisdom through God. He doesn't. And we've allowed him to win. Why? Why? Because we have fallen asleep. We have fallen asleep, and we have been waking up in comfortable beds, walking into invisible war zones, not understanding that we were made to fight. We were made to fight. And not only were we made to fight, we were made to win and conquer. Amen? The last thing Jesus says, the fourth command, really simple, follow me. Right? So he brings up this whole thing about worshiping God and he says, Follow me. Follow me. I'll take you to him. I am him. Follow me. That's what God's in inviting us to do this morning. Is this your mission statement? We exist to help people get free of their sin, strongholds, and selves to live free in God's love. Is that, was that your mission statement? powerful. That's what God wants to do this morning. So church, listen to me. In my mind, I see you coming up. Sammy said something we say every time a microphone is in our hands. Do not leave here with what you brought in. You simply don't have to. You don't have to. You know that, you know how sin creates shame? We've fostered a community of shame, Yeah, let's build shame because if we can just pretend like we're not in sin, if we just pretend like uh, everything's fine, then we'll be brothers and I won't judge you and you won't judge me. And then you go back home and life's different. Not in this place. Not in this place. All have sinned. Everyone's a sinner. We're all together in that. It's really beautiful. There's forgiveness for it. There's deliverance from it. If you are in sin today, Listen, there's that thing that you don't want to tell anyone about, and there's that thing that you feel like you, you get it under rain for a few weeks, but then it comes back. Whatever that is, look, you know right now the Holy Spirit does this for me. I don't have to do it. Thank God. I suck at it. He is convicting right now. I, here's why I want you to come up, and we're going to pray with you, and we've got a whole prayer team here, and then the rest of you, you can leave. And we love you. But, man, if you've got something you need to get free from, please take this moment. God's been planning this for weeks, this moment for weeks, and he wants to set you free from it. It's time to kill the cow, okay? Because when you do that, God's going to turn up the power in your life. When you do that, you're going to wake up with joy. You're going to wake up with purpose. You're going to go to work. They're going to be like, what are you on today? Because you're so filled with joy. And now I know I'm working unto the Lord. That's what he wants to do. So listen, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to release. But, man, if you're coming in, I'm ready to pray until the next service. And we got a whole hour of worship. We can pray through that, too. Amen. God, we thank you. Lord, you're holy. Lord, you're powerful. God, you're amazing. Father, we bless you. We worship you. We give you our worship. The gift of our worship we give to you only. Jesus, thank you for your payment. Thank you that on the cross, you were ridiculed, you were beat, you were, you were even pierced by a, a spear. You were killed on a cross, and you took our sin and shame. You took the plight on our life, and you ended it. And you said, here's a new way. I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you a future. And then you went to hell and you conquered death and came back, resurrected on the third day, and you walked around. 500 people saw you and you ascended into heaven 1,990 years ago. We're on the 10-year stretch to 2,000 years since the ascension. God, let us finish strong. Break every chain this morning. Break all this sin this morning. Break off what's throttling power this morning in Jesus' mighty name.